we're all very similar. And I just think it's really fascinating that I know two other women who were raised either entirely or predominantly by their dad, surrounded by men, think very similarly. That cannot be a coincidence. It has to be nurture, right? Partly at least. And I don't know. I just thought it would be a really good conversation to have with Kathy because um, I just find it fascinating. I, You know, at the older I get, and I think this is the way it should go for most people, the older you get, the more impressed with yourself you should be. And I don't mean that from an egotistical way. I mean that from an accomplishment place, right? For what you've achieved as a human being, you should be more and more impressed with yourself and proud of yourself. And I sincerely do not mean that egotistically. I mean, if you're a nurse and you've been in nursing for 20 years and you've seen just about everything, you should be pretty impressed with yourself because I would be really impressed with you. (laughs) So to be able to be impressed with yourself the way you would be impressed with a peer uh, is a very powerful thing. And I keep going to having these conversations in this podcast. I go, I'm pretty impressed with myself. I'm pretty impressed that I grew up the way I grew up and became this person and can articulate things the way I do because I didn't really expect to be here. I didn't really expect to be here. So it makes me feel um, proud and humble and, and very curious to know what made me who I am and what makes other people who they are. I mean, I'm so infinitely curious about that. What makes Halston who he is? Military, a little bit of mental illness in his family, dog that was a support animal, sister, where he grew up, how much he traveled. Makes you who you are today. I'm fascinated by that. Really, really curious about it. So, yeah, Kathy and I are very similar. Kathy's daughter is in my Girl Scout troop. And um, we are just such practical people. We'll just call each other and go, and you do this and I'll do that. Go. And it just gets done. And I appreciate that about her. And I just wonder if that's because we were raised by men. I mean, I was raised by my mom too, but I really listened to my dad. I really paid attention. The way he raised me made sense to me. The way my mom raised me did not make sense to me. So that's today's podcast. Was that my intro? <laughs> and if you haven't bought your mechanics, I think they still have some sizes left. I freaking live in these things. Does Brooklyn live in hers? Yeah, I live in mine too. I love them so much. They're so comfortable. They have an awesome art sport. So freewaters.com. If you haven't bought a gift for a special lady in your life, I think the machines are sold out except for maybe a size eight. But the mechanics are still available, I think, in the larger sizes. So, um, Congrats on selling out. That's a big deal. I sold out, I think, the smalls and mediums in, in the mechanics. I think they still have large and extra large. And then Bert sold out everything but the smalls. So that's awesome. Very, very cool. Well, that's, that's, I mean, that's, that's pretty much sold out. I mean, the people who are doing large, extra large women's are like people who are six feet, like my sister. Right. Yeah. Right. There aren't very many six foot women. So not so many, but that's awesome. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Well, thanks Halston. And I hope everybody enjoys my episode talking about being raised by dads with Kathy. It was a really good one. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, it did. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense.
does kind of add up, doesn't it? It mm-hmm. frustrates the living hell out of Burt Kreischer. He, he really needs me sometimes to be as emotional as he is. And I literally am on the inside going, is he for real? <laughs> how, how could I ever be that emotional about that? Like sometimes, so sometimes his emotion is right on and I need to get up to there. But sometimes I go, this is in the grand scheme of life. This ain't nothing. How do we fix it and move on? Um, but anyway, I enjoyed the talk with Kathy. It was a really good one and I hope you enjoy it too. And thanks for coming back every week. Thanks for all your comments, positive and negative. I like them all. Um, you can check out wifeotp.com. It's my website. There's a link to the free water shoes there. There's a link to all our books from the book club. There's um, links to some of my friends' websites, Provide Skincare, Natalie B. Designs for Jewelry. Um, my friend Tanya Pete's Beauty Counter uh, link is there. If you're still looking for Christmas gifts, those are great links to go to. I think some of them still have promo codes. Natalie B does. And I think that Tanya might, but, um, all of it's great stuff that I use and buy myself. And, um, yeah. So anyway, until next week, (laughs) we'll see you next week. Kathy, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. You ready for Christmas? Do you already have your tree up? Um, no, 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 no tree. But we did get an inflatable Santa for our front yard. Nice. Because um, our neighborhood, all of a sudden, since there's a lockdown, people have decided just to go crazy. And uh, we can't have the only house with just Christmas lights. <laughs> That's kind of fun, though. How about you guys? We have not. I just put Thanksgiving up yesterday. I'm so behind. I'm I'm one of those people too that like, I don't like to bring this month's holiday into next month. So I always have Thanksgiving down before December. I couldn't get it done this year. I just couldn't do it. Um, So I deflated our turkey yesterday from our front yard and all of our Christmas stuff is in our attic, which is really really a pain in the ass. It's like, it's almost like, um, it's almost like an Iron Man challenge to get that stuff out of there because I have to take a ladder. It's in my laundry room. The axe is in my laundry room. So I, I put a ladder in my laundry room floor, which barely fits just between the washer dryer and the wall. And I have to go up the ladder and climb into my attic and right in my attic is my furnace. So oh, wow. I have to, on my belly, crawl under my furnace to get to the storage portion of my attic. So when I'm going to get Christmas out, there's this one little area that's just big enough for a plastic bin to slide through. 
So I have to get on the other side of the furnace, have someone on top of the ladder, and I just slide the bins through to the person on top of the ladder. And then they hand it to someone on the ground. So it's like a three-person job because you can't walk around the ladder to get into my house. Like the, you, you can walk out my back door, but not, it's just like, it's the craziest thing just to get our stuff out of the attic. So I just don't have time. So I'm, we decided we were going to do it tonight after this. And everybody has so much homework that I was like, you know what? I'm just not going to pressure myself. We're going to do it on Saturday. We're just not going to worry about it. Do you think that maybe Bert could give up just a little tiny bit of the t-shirt storage area? For the Christmas. <laughs> well, my theory is it's only once a year, right? Yeah, that's true. So I use the the part he would give up of his t-shirt storage. I could put so many things there that I would use all the time, like, you know, cases of toilet paper, which are hard to come by these days. But yeah, I um I, that's my theory is it's just once a year. So I can do it once a year. It just sure does make it cumbersome. But you do have two teenagers that you can have crawl up there as well. I know. Uh, yeah, I think that would be like, yeah, like asking two four-year-olds. <laughs> I'd go up there and I'd never see them again. I could have a good fort up there or something for sure. I'm a little concerned about that. I mean, I have Christmas all in one area. It's obvious to me, but. The teenage brain, I don't know if logic or pragmatism or anything like that exists. In yeah. Them. Who knows what would happen if you sent them up there? Who knows? I'd, I'd, their table and chairs from when they were a toddler up there, and I guarantee you that would end up back in my house. You know, <laughs> that's what would happen. You would but, end up losing the battle. You would have more stuff down than up. Exactly. They'd be like, oh, this is where this is? Oh, I'm bringing this down. And then I'd have so much shit. So, yeah. But it is a good theory. It's a good theory to send them up. Good idea. I like it. Hey, um, are you are you at the new podcast studio? No, I'm in my bedroom. <laughs> oh, I was like, what's that background I see? I know, but I think tomorrow I have another podcast tomorrow. So sorry about the confusion today. I'm having issues with my calendar when I put something on my laptop is not syncing with the cloud. So I booked you and I booked my podcast for tomorrow and they both ended up on the same day because I was on my phone and I booked both of you today. So the person that's 2.30 tomorrow, I sent the Zoom link today and was like, so ready to go. And she was like, I'm at Children's Hospital. I don't think I can do it's tomorrow. And I went, ah, oh, dang it. And I had already taught anyway. I think tomorrow I'm going to do it at my new studio. It's going to be a little echoey though. There's not furniture there yet. No rugs, you know, there's no nothing rugs. to absorb. No. Yeah. So we'll see how it goes. Maybe, maybe uh, take some pillows or something. Does, doesn't Isla have stuff there from school? That's a good idea. Um, she does have some blankets and stuff, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe I could take some pillows and cozy myself up in the corner. There you go. <laughs> So today I wanted to talk to you about um, your dad because you and I are similar. I think you and I are similar in quite a few ways. And I, I scratch my head sometimes and wonder if it's because, um, I, you know, I say I was raised by my dad, which is not entirely accurate. 
But with my the way my life went, I spent a lot of time one on one with my dad uh, when I was really young. And then when my parents divorced, I lived with him for three months in the summer and for the full winter break and every other weekend. And then when I turned 13, I moved with him permanently. So even though technically from age seven to 13, I lived with my mom, I did spend four months of the year just with my dad. So, and I feel like my raising and, you know, a lot of who I am came from that experience as opposed to with my mom's, which wasn't always very healthy. Um, But you were also raised by your dad. Why don't you tell me the circumstances of that, even though I already know it? (laughs) <laughs> um, I was, I was raised by my dad and, um, I have two brothers, so I was raised with all boys. My mom passed away when I was young, I was seven. Mm. And so it was just basically my dad and my two brothers and I, um, you know, until I went off to college. Right. Uh, brothers, older, younger brothers, how old are uh, Both of my brothers are older. One is four years older than I am. And one is 10 years older than I am. So there wasn't, when we were little, there was a little bit of interaction there. But um, I mean, my oldest brother was 17 when my mom died and he enlisted in the service after that. So I don't actually even know him that well, hmm. but um, my, the middle, my middle brother um, he was only four years older than me, so he was with us for a while. Okay. How do you think that affected who you are? Oh, my goodness. Um, I think it had a huge effect on who I am and the way things have worked out and the way things changed. I do have to say my dad did remarry twice, mm-hmm. but it was never for um, like a substantial like you said, like a substantial amount of time where it felt like I was being raised by somebody else. Mm -hmm. The first time I think it was out of like sheer necessity. My dad was one of eight kids. And I don't think that, I don't think he ever knew what to do with a girl. I think he was just like, (laughs) Oh oh my God. (laughs) Right. So, and then the second time he was married for a few years, but the, that woman also had, I think, five kids. So there was a, there was a lot going on. Wow. That is a lot. I didn't know that. That part of your story, I didn't know. Yeah, it was for a shorter amount of time. And most of her kids were older. There was um, two kids that were still in the house. So there was basically four of us for a little, maybe three of us, really. There was one younger, one moved out within six months. Right. But yeah. I think it had a huge impact. Um, he, you know, he basically raised me all by himself and had to work full time and try and deal with my brothers on top of it. It must have been completely exhausting for him. <laughs> right. right. I think that too. Well, I know, I know um, my perspective is some of the things that I learned from at least feeling like I was predominantly raised by my dad. I feel like sometimes I am a logical thinker to a fault. Um, I feel like, and I I feel like emotionless compared to other women. And I don't know necessarily if that's a bad thing. Do you feel that way? I couldn't agree with you more. That is, it is so true. When I was young, um, 
You know, I, I hardly even remember my mom. So there was, there's, you know, when you're seven, you don't remember much, but I don't think I cried until, I don't know, maybe I was a teenager, like late teens. I'm sure I cried when I was younger, but I just didn't cry about things. It's like, that wasn't an option. I, and then, um, once I got older now I see a Hallmark commercial and I'll cry. I'll burst into tears over anything. Now it's like, it was like delayed or something, but you know, I, I had, I was the same way. And I was in my mid twenties living in New York city. And I thought this is actually unhealthy. So I started forcing myself to watch really sad movies like beaches and terms <laughs> of endearment and letting myself cry. I had to consciously go. It's okay. It's okay. You, this is sad. You can cry. I had to actually kind of learn it. Um, so I know exactly what you're talking about. It just wasn't, that's just not what you did. No, so that part's probably not super healthy. No, I'm, I'm sure that part's not super healthy. I'm sure there's a lot of it that's not super healthy, but like you said, a lot of it's very practical. Yeah. Uh, very practical. Um, I definitely am a, give me the problem. Let's figure out a solution. Everything can be figured out. So let's do it. And I don't get involved in the emotions of the problem. Whereas I think a lot, I mean, I'm just assuming a lot of women do, but from my observation of other women is sometimes they get bogged down in the emotion of the problem. And I'm like, that, that, so you're wasting time getting to the solution. You're, you're, that's a waste of time. <laughs> let's just get to how do we solve this? Which is kind of, that's just the way my dad works. How do we solve it? And, you know, I think a lot of men work that way and I'm, I'm pretty much like that. I don't, although I do have to say as a caveat, <laughs> my one, my one thing with my husband is sometimes I just want to tell you how shitty the day was. I don't want you to give me your, your answer to fix it. I don't need it fixed. I just need to tell you that it was a really crappy day. Right. So on one hand, that seems very like female emotional of me. But then on the other hand, like, like with you, like a whole group of moms chatting about something that went wrong. I'm like, what? I don't get into any of that at all. I don't either. I don't get into the gossip. I don't get into who did what to whom. I just think that's all yucky and not productive. I don't understand the productivity in that. Um, and I guess, I guess for women, maybe it's entertainment or for, no, I shouldn't say for women, for people who get into that. I guess it's some form of entertainment or I don't know, but I just don't get it. And I, I, um, I just wrote this essay about storytelling. Um, and I was trying to figure out how I started storytelling. Cause you know, I wrote screenplays before, mm -hmm. um, I was married. And when we had these big family reunions, the family would kind of separate off and the women would go into the living room and the men would go on the carport. And the women would talk about all kinds of stuff, this recipe, what this woman was doing behind her husband's back, who was drinking and then going to church the next day, who was going to have a shotgun wedding. And then on the porch, men just told stories. They just told stories about you know, the sawmill and bluegrass and whatever they wanted to talk about. But they were story. They were like almost like tall tales or crafted stories. It wasn't about gossip. It was like a beginning, a middle, and end, and a point. And I just never went in that living room. I just always mm -hmm. went out to the carport because I thought, 
I don't understand the purpose of what's going on in the living room. Uh, just copy the recipe down and hand it to me. I don't need this. Yeah. What's the story? What's the point here? I don't need the blow by blow. (laughs) I wonder if, you know, now thinking back about it when I was younger, I mean, I had girlfriends, but I also had just a a whole bunch of friends that were boys, not boyfriends, um, but boyfriends, but, but friends who were boys. And I think maybe that has a lot to do with it. Maybe it had, you know, with just, the lack of emotion growing up. Yeah, I was the same. I went on my senior trip with three boys and my dad, that all of them had girlfriends that were younger and couldn't go on the senior trip. And I just was one of the boys. And I was like, I am not down here to get drunk and get laid. I'm actually just down here to have a good time. So I'm going to hang out with these guys who also aren't here to get laid and just have a good time. And I just, I was the same way. I had so many guy friends all through school and high school and my guy cousins that I was really close with. So my question is this, is that how we were wired or is that from nurture, how we were nurtured or is it both? Um, hmm. Well, I think, Think, I mean, I think a large portion of it must have, to, well, must have to, I was going to say must have to do with nurture, mm-hmm. but one of the most direct impacts from all of that, that I can see is that like, now that I have kids, now that I have a girl, it's almost like I'm missing, like I've got a pie and I've got a big giant chunk out of it. And I'm like, I'm not quite sure how to deal with that part of it. Like mm-hmm. that emotional part, the mom part. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I feel like, God, I don't know what to say. What would your mom say? That type of thing. So part of me thinks it's nurture. But then on the other hand, my dad was also very quiet and didn't, didn't not very quiet, but he didn't talk to me a lot. I mean, he talked to me, but he didn't tell stories and that type of stuff a lot. He didn't talk about important stuff. Right. A lot. So maybe he was wired that way and therefore I'm wired that way. Interesting. Versus versus the nurture. It's interesting. I wonder too, because I think my personality is actually very similar to my mom's. My, My dad is a really sweet guy, really friendly guy, but he's not the loud laugher at the party. I've always been the loud laugher, the, you know, there's a reason Bert and I are together. I'm not the shrinking wallflower. I never have been. Mm-hmm. And my dad would be fine being a shrinking wallflower and just, you know, talking to one or two people. And I'd, I've always been very gregarious and outgoing and loud. And and I think that's more like my mom. So I think for me, it was really about nurture because I just, or maybe, maybe I was wired that way in the way I observed because, you know, when... When my dad had me in the summer, he owned a house with another single dad who had a son my age. So I was with three men also. I was with Brandon, my age, and his dad, Doug, and my dad. And we did everything, the four of us together. And they had girlfriends. My dad and Doug had girlfriends, and they came and went. But we were uh, definitely, it was like the, the four of us, and I was the only girl. So I never felt like a girl. I just felt like a person. And I never really felt like they were boys. I just felt like we were just all people. 
So I think until I until I was quite old, I didn't really separate the two because you know you're not attracted to people when you're seven. You're right. just a person. So I mean, I remember having a crush on Brandon because he was a cute boy, but I didn't think we were any different. I thought we were just the same. Um, you mean any different, like a boy and a girl, like that type of stuff you didn't identify as being, I mean, I surely was not a, a girly girl. No, nor I at all. No, I was a big tomboy. Yes. There was nothing that any of those men or boys did that I went, oh, well, I shouldn't do that because I'm a girl. Oh, no. Oh, no, oh, no, no, no. There was, there was changing the oil in the car and fixing whatever anybody was fixing and, and, my dad did electrical stuff. I would go with him all the time and I'd just be like, oh, hold this monitor, this cord. That, that was just part of it. Yeah, same here. But I had a cousin who was a girl and um, her household is, is still intact. Her parents are still married. It's my dad's brother and sister-in-law. And she definitely was like, yeah, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to climb up that rock and jump off in the river. I'm not. And I, I was like, oh, move aside. <laughs> oh, I'm going first. Get out of the way. Right. And Here me and all the boys. And then yeah. she and some of the other girls would be like, no, I'm not going to be so scary. And I just didn't, I was never that way. No way. Mm-mm. But I wonder what that is. Is it just who we are or is it because we were just with a pack of boys and we weren't treated like a girl? You know, my dad never said you can't go fishing because you're a girl or you can't put a car on the back of a pit of a wrecker because you're a girl. That was never communicated to me ever. Did your mom say those things, though? She didn't say those things, but she would say stuff like, like I dressed like a boy. I was a tomboy. I wore like football jerseys and and tennis shoes and jeans and cords and wallabies. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. There was big things going on. Exactly. And I was like, I'd rather probably bleed than take a bath. I just, no, no pass. I, d- I don't want to take a bath. Don't make me brush my hair. I looked like my dad's second wife said the first time she saw me, she thought I was homeless <laughs> because I was just filthy <laughs> and knots. I was like seven and a half, eight years old. And my pants were too short and my shoes were filthy. And she was like, you look literally like a homeless child. But that's because I played so hard and I got dirty. And then, you know, my daddy'd be like, I'll just go to bed and take a shower tomorrow. You know, I'm too busy digging splinters out of your bare feet to worry about a shower. So big deal. But my mom was very concerned about how I looked and, you know, I, one of the fights I remember having with my mom, I didn't argue with my mom much because it was not a- allowed to have any opinion other than hers. But I have, it was time for me to get my third grade class picture. And she wanted me to wear a dress. And I was not going to do it. And we went back and forth. I think she might have spanked me to put this dress on. And finally, I said, I will wear this dress, but I am wearing my kids' tennis shoes. (laughs) And I found that picture probably about 10 years ago. And I I am in the picture. I'm standing. I've got this dress on that's blue, and it has the ruffles right here. Oh, my God. And the skirt is plaid. 
And I'm literally like this. <laughs> Angry. <laughs> I'm pissed. I have white knee socks and the most beat up, dirtiest, nastiest kids tennis shoes you have ever seen on my feet. So I clearly won the battle of the shoes. I'm sure she thought, well, the picture's from here up, but right. she forgot about the class picture where oh, you see my whole God. body. And in my class picture, I have this mm, look on my face and these dirty, nasty, triumphant tennis shoes on my feet. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I do remember one time my dad, um, this is uh, probably f- eh, not too long after my mom passed away, but a little while. I remember one morning he asked me, he's like, hey, wear this dress to school. And I was like, are you out of your mind? No, please. Can you please? He just was begging me to wear this dress to school. And I just, I flat out refused well, come to find out that was back when they, it must've been around my birthday. I don't even remember that part of it. All I remember is him begging me to wear this dress and I just wouldn't do it. I was like, uh, no way. There's no way. And I'm also very fair skinned. And when I was little, my legs were so white. It was completely embarrassing. So it was like a double whammy. I was not putting that dress on. <laughs> so come to find out he brought dessert for the whole class for, me, for my birthday, which was a thing that they used to do. Now, could you imagine? I guess, I guess they still do it in some respects. They bring cupcakes or whatever. Yeah. But so he wanted me <laughs> to look nice when we brought the dessert. Aww. I know. That was sweet. Was- yeah. As I got older, my mom had more of a well, maybe it's just because I remember more. Maybe I don't remember as much when I was little, but I remember being a teenager and her being like, don't you want to look better? I mean, don't you want to? And at a certain age, she asked me if I was gay. Oh my. <laughs> I was like, not gay. No, just left my boyfriend, Jeff. Definitely not gay. <laughs> Good there. Just don't want to wear a dress. I just don't. I just want to be comfortable. I've never been into makeup, clearly. I've never been into like, doing my hair like girls do. And I just, I feel lost in that arena. And, you know, my mom was a model. So I had all the people, you know, resources in the world for hair and makeup. And I just have no interest in it. No interest at all. I mean, I want to look nowadays, I want to look presentable, but I don't need to get made up to just be in the world, you know? Oh, guest star. You okay? Yeah. <laughs> I guess star. I know I was. I'm going to go find her. What? Okay. I moved into here because he had a conference call in the man cave and then he wanted to work out. And I was like, oh, no problem. I'll just move in here and then you can have your area to yourself. But apparently we forgot that our closet is through this door. (laughs) Oh, well. So anyway. So how, so like you were saying, now you have a daughter. Let me tell you, when I was pregnant, I knew Georgia was a boy. Absolutely. Because I thought God would not give me girls because I would not know what to do with them. So there's no way she was a girl. No way. And when we went for our, whatever it was, ultrasound or whatever sonogram, Mm -hmm. and they're like, I see a little hamburger. It's a girl. And I went, ah, (sighs) ah. You're Check like, again. Yeah, that's not right. 
see if there's a hot dog in there somewhere. There's got to be a hot dog somewhere because I, I can't deal with a hamburger. Um, I'm so glad I have girls now because I learned so much about myself from watching these little girls just be who they are. Um, whereas my dad just let me be who I was, but I felt like my mom definitely did not. So I spent my early adulthood trying to figure out who I really was and what was acceptable um, for me and not was it what was acceptable for my mom. Um, and I've got to watch these two little girls be super girly or not and mm-hmm. um, super emotional or not and just kind of free freely be who they were. I think I spent a lot of time aligning myself with my dad and probably being even like supersized tomboy because I needed him so much. So I needed to have him be there and and own, you know, own our relationship in such a way that I I think I went even more into being that tomboy. Um, well, do you think that was a little rebellious against your mom as well? Because you yeah. wanted you wanted to be away. F- you didn't want to have it be anything like she wanted you to be. That's right. I think it was a combination of the two. So to watch the girls just be girls, uncomplicated, was um, a, a huge learning curve for me where I went, oh, maybe I do like jewelry. Like I've always okay. said, I, I don't like jewelry. No, I, I don't want that. I don't like it. But maybe I do. I do. And you know yeah. who else like jewelry is my mom. Mm-hmm. So you can't do that. But right. just, I don't know. Somehow watching girls grow up has made me more okay with my girl on the inside. I don't know. It's interesting in your 20s and stuff, because I was very much like you all growing up. And then at some point in high school, I had this friend and she she was very girly and she would say, oh, you have to wear heels to school. You 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 have to get dressed to go to school. What you cannot come to school in sweatpants. I was just like wearing sweatpants <laughs> to school, <laughs> tennis yeah. shoes. Right. Right. She was very. But. But and then in college things changed a little bit, and I did get way more girly. Yes, like, I'm not talking about place. yeah, wear dresses every day or anything. But I like in my 20s, I definitely like to get dressed up and go out and that type of stuff. I did that in in high school, probably, and early in college, and then in the middle of college, I had a little identity crisis, and. I like shaved my head and started wearing men's clothing. And I was just, I was a disaster. My twenties was just an an unraveling of all the stuff that was screwed up about my childhood. And I just went off one deep end. Is that when your mom asked you about your sexual preference? (laughs) No, she actually asked me that before that, way before that. Um, It's interesting. Yeah. Yes, I I don't know why. I mean, maybe I give off the vibe that I'm gay, but I don't I don't I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, if I were, I would just be. I don't have a problem with that. So, I mean, I grew up when she moved me to Atlanta, she moved me into the gay community. So, I have no problem with gay anything. Marriage, gay rights, gay relationship, gay love, gay sex, gay I just totally fine with me. That's what oh. I was raised with. So, I definitely wasn't resistant to being gay, but I wonder what it was. Maybe I was just that big of a tomboy. 
Yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe that's, I was, I was just trying to figure out like, what do you think it was that like made her even ask that question? But you're right. It was probably just because you were, you were a big tomboy, but even then there's plenty of girls who are tomboys, you know, that just because you're a tomboy. Yeah. Who knows? I don't who knows what her real agenda was. We'll never know. Who knows? Who so knows? how was it challenging? I know you touched on dealing with emotions with having a daughter. Are there any other ways that you find it challenging? And you think that's because um, I do, I totally do. And I've talked to you about this before, but, um, and I don't know if this is just something that's challenging for me or because of the way that my dad wasn't a big talker. And the last thing that I wanted when I had these kids, I was like, oh, I'm going to talk to them all the time. I'm going <laughs> to make sure they can share things with me. I'm going to be the exact opposite. Well, let me tell you, it's got to be some hardwiring because this one is like a vault trying to get in there and getting her to tell you anything is close to impossible. Mm. And I think some of the challenges is for me, sometimes, like, I sometimes I just don't know what to say. Like, uh, I don't have the words. I know what I want to say, but I don't have the words to say it. And I then I'll talk to, talk to, like, you about something, and you'll be like, blah, 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 blah. I was like, oh, man, why didn't I just say that? But I'm the same way. I am the same way. And I find that sometimes my words are too to the point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll get in trouble for being too pointed. And like, if I'd stopped and went, huh, maybe I should, maybe I should keep some of that to myself, or I have a really hard time not being transparent. Um, and sometimes not everything needs to be said. I get in trouble for that too. as just speaking my mind. Um, yeah, sometimes it's, that's that's really hard. I I find that I don't I don't always have the right words, and I I mean that could very well be with somebody who's raised by with both parents, but yeah. um yeah I, that's that's definitely one of those areas. And then um sometimes the emotional craziness. I'm like, what's going on here? Yes, because I feel like I'm missing that. Yes, I, you know, I never got into the, um, you know, there's usually a time, some time period in a girl's development where they are boy crazy or um, fashion crazy or makeup crazy or some kind of crazy. And I never, I just never had that phase. So, um, but everybody, every girl I knew did. So I, I would I would always drop out when girls got into those phases. I would be like, yeah, I don't, I can't, I don't know what this is. Um, I'm going to go hang out with this bunch of boys or I'm going to hang out with this other girl who's not in that phase yet or is already over it. I, I would hop around. So I, I never had, although I did have best friends, I think sometimes I would withdraw from those best friends when they lingered into those places that were highly emotional. And didn't make sense to me, you know, where I can't control calling my boyfriend after we've already broken up four times. I'm like, peace out, man. You're crazy. I'm not doing that. You broke up. It's over. Now move on or get back together with him. One of the two. But this back and forth, back and forth. I've never broken up with someone and gotten back together ever. If I ever broke up, I was done. And even with friends, I'm kind of that way, which is maybe not the best, but 
But I wonder if that's that same line of thinking that men tend to have is that we're done. Or maybe it's not men. Maybe it's just the men I grew up with. Yeah, I I agree. It's very direct. It's like there's not a whole lot of gray area. There's no waffling back and forth. It's just like we're doing this or we're not doing this. Yeah. I was engaged for, um, this is a good example of that. I was uh, in before my husband, I was engaged and dated a guy for a, a really long time and um, things didn't work out, which was fine. And uh, we went to, we're like, oh, it was years. So like five or six years. And we went to, we're like, oh, well, maybe we should go to counseling before we throw all this away to make sure it's the right decision and everything. So we went and we had one counseling session. And after that, like the next week, the counselor called me back and she's like, um, I want to reschedule for your next appointment. I was like, oh no, oh no, we're done. We, we broke up. And she was like, what do you, what do you mean you broke up? I said, we, we both love each other a ton. We both have complete respect for each other and love each other, but we're not in love with each other anymore. So we broke up. He's moving out. Everything's going to be fine. Thanks for your services. (laughs) Yeah. She didn't like that at all. (laughs) I was like, everything's fine. And you know what? Everything was fine. We remained friends for a, a really, really long time. I mean, he's, he passed away, but up until that point, we were still friends. He's seen the baby. He knows my husband, the, right. the whole thing. That's so cool though. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. It was just cut and dry though. There was no, well, maybe we should do this for a month and that for a month. It was just like, okay, that's done. You know, another piece of this that I think um, Bert tells me about that this bothers him about me, but I don't think it bothers him. I think he's envious of it. I don't really hold on to a lot. Like I move, I move on from stuff. I don't hold on. I don't hold grudges. I don't hold on to negative feelings. Not really. I don't. Um, I don't ruminate about things. I handle it and move on. Um, mm-hmm. I don't lose sleep at night much. I'm sorry, that's okay. Excellent. Hi, Bert. Hey, how you doing? Oh, you did <laughs> doing well. Okay, I just no I have all the info with them. Okay, so I just but I opened them. I didn't want to. How you doing? Oh, hey. I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, who knows what the bathroom looks like? Who horrible. knows what the bathroom? What? You're horrible? I uh, just got out of therapy. You should be feeling awesome. We're deep. Uh, no, 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 no. My therapy is, I'm going through some shit. And so. You want to sit down and talk about it? Yeah. No, no, no. no. I need to talk to you about it, though. <laughs> um, no, I'm going through some shit. And I'm, and I'm not boozing. Oh, I'm balding. But I'm not boozing. And, uh. And I'm trying to eat healthy, so I'm, I'm on edge, and uh, and I'm and I, I am overwhelmed. And I, I think, uh, from what my therapist has said, is I I haven't really stopped working throughout the pandemic. Right. And I think that's caused stress because I do have OCD and I'm concerned about the virus. And so, like today, I have voiceover for like three out four hours or something, three hours, and and it just stuff like that just heightens you. When you're like, I can't just be in my house safe where everyone else is. And then tomorrow I have meetings that I have to go to. It's, you know, sometimes when you're talent, you have, you just, you don't get the, you don't get the uh, benefit of the doubt of, hey, we're in a pandemic. There is a virus out and you're overweight and you have high blood pressure. It's, hey, we need you to work. Like you got to work. And so all that, all that, I think all that's added up. And so that's where I am. 
That's oh, I'm sorry to hear that. It's uh, stressful just to have the pandemic by itself. And then you add on all of that stuff. Hey, listen, and you've been working a ton. I bet if there's anyone listening that hasn't been working and is out of money, they'd be like, I would uh, gladly take your stress and work and then be able to pay bills. So it's, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, you're not. It's relative. And, and I don't have a tap out. My tap out normally is booze to like, go like, ah, uh, time for some Bert time. And mm-hmm. I've been on the wagon for a while. And so I'm just kind of like, Argh. it's adjustment. We're in a little transitional adjustment. Mm. So I'm going to go get on the treadmill. Okay. Oh, well, perfect. Work it out that way. All right. Nice seeing you. I Nice to see you in person again soon. It was great seeing you. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> he is right. Whereas I think the pandemic's been slow for a lot of people, or at least you know, we're not running to soccer practice, softball practice, tennis practice. We have been so busy. He has been incredibly busy, but I have been as well. And I think to be that busy and at the end of the day, be in four walls with four adult-sized people, three adult-sized dogs. (laughs) And especially when his um, outlet is socialization. I mean, he comes home, the first thing he wants to do is get together and have a barbecue and party. Yes. That and... We, I mean, I've said this on a podcast before, we have not lived together for this long since, for for 16 years. When Georgia was three days old, he started traveling regularly. So we were talking this morning because he was, we're talking about, uh, you know, his state of mind and how he's feeling about things. And I was like, you just have to remember, not only is all this pandemic happening and, and you're still really busy. You've never lived here. So the things that are bothering you about your teenage daughters, the noisy dogs, the dog shit in the backyard, if you're not right on top of it, all of a sudden there's 18 turds, you know, is that you don't live here. So this is an adjustment for you to go. You're used to being on your own time in a hotel room or a tour bus where wherever you put your clothes, your shoes, your shit. It stays there. The dogs will pick up anything that's on the floor and take it to the backyard. And so that in and of itself has been so frustrating for him because he's really been living in a bubble for for five days a week for 16 years. And this is not a bubble. This is a house with five or six different schedules going on at the same time. And not all of them... um, are beneficial to him or work for him or work for his schedule or are convenient. And I would imagine it would be really hard to be able to run your own schedule five days a week with no one else telling Mm -hmm. you, no, we can't do that on this day because so-and-so has this. That would be a big adjustment just as it's a big adjustment for him to come in and have size 12 shoes strewn from the front door to the back door and trip over them every five seconds. It's just an adjustment for everybody in the house. Right. And, and that's, that doesn't even take into consideration the pandemic and that you can't go anywhere. Exactly. Have anything. That's just him being home. Yeah. Yeah. It's a yeah. I understand and, the being home thing. Yes. I think we all do. I think we're all really, really, um, worn down from it. I feel worn mm-hmm. down. I feel really, um, starting to feel really trapped. I mean, we don't live in a big house. I know people probably think we do. Our house is 1900 square feet. 
This is not a very big house. It's a three-bedroom, two-bath house with four adult-sized people in it. We don't. We have a living room. We don't have a den. Like there's one place to go watch TV. So after this much time, I mean, we are remodeling a house that's really going to be very big, but we're not living there. And by the time the pandemic's over, we'll be moving in and we'll be like, where is everybody? No one's home. (laughs) By the the time Georgia goes to college, you guys are going to (laughs) move. I know, right? Well, we're pushing them for this Easter. We'll see. But see, I understand. I mean, we have the same we have the same house situation as you. And that's why this podcast has taken forever. I don't have a room. Right. One kid in one room, the other kids in the other room, both of them are doing school. My husband's taking meetings in our bedroom, which leaves me with the kitchen, dining room, and living room, all of which is one room and the dog. Yes. Yes. And you are not alone. Every single person, almost every woman I know is the same. I just did a podcast with Lynn. Oh yeah, Kathy and Sandy, right? Lynn's in her garage. She was like, I have nowhere to go. (laughs) Everybody's strewn all over the place. And this is, I go to the garage. Kathy's like, I live at my kitchen table because Steven's in our bedroom. Kids are in their room. They have a three bedroom house. Same thing. I've been spending a lot of time in my car lately. (laughs) Have you really? It's just, it's quiet and there's no one else there. Yeah, right. Yeah. I was like, oh, well, I'll just sit. I can call you from my car. <laughs> yeah, right. Sandy's husband, that's his office, is his car. He's, he literally goes and gets in his car in his driveway and does all of his conference calls in his car in his driveway for the same reason. They have a big open concept house. They have two dogs, two kids that are at home, and there's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to go. Exactly yeah. what just happened here mm-hmm. happens everybody's house. He comes in in the middle of what we're doing. And my husband's on a conference call. I was like, Ooh, can I squeeze behind him to get my underwear and bra out of the dresser? Or is everybody going to see that? It's not going to go over well. To work on your military crawl on your belly, like, like me under my furnace in the attic. (laughs) Exactly. Belly back. I know it's so crazy. I'm so ready for it to be over. And I, you know, I don't think our kids are going back to school this year. Do you? No. I, I, and if they do, it'll be at the very end of the year. I feel like, um, which makes me so sad. I'm sad for all of them, but mainly sad for, you know, for Isla and my little one, because it's it's their first year. It's supposed to be so fun and festive. And I know these are all first world problems and, you know, that they can't go back to school, but yeah, but yeah, I don't, I don't really see that happening. As a matter of fact, I just got the kids these awesome new desks that the sit stand desk. They stand, you can stand up and sit oh, down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do they like them? Well, um, I would be afraid to move this thing because it's actually <laughs> covered in crap. So I don't know if they're using them or not, but they do like them. And they, they have a phone charger right on top of them and oh, they can okay. write on them because they're glass. So they do, they do like them. That's really cool. They're glass. Yeah. That's really they're, Yeah, they're glass. So the kids use dry erase markers to take notes during class. Amazing. Yeah. That's yeah. Amazing. I'll have to look into those. We um I think I told you this. I know I've told everybody on the podcast this, but our kids are now doing school at our new podcast studio, which we are not podcasting in yet. Which is so, brilliant because they're away from the house and actually going to school. Yes, I know. So many friends have been like, can I send my school, uh, my kids to your school? I'm like, well, 
not exactly stay at home orders, but I wish they could because I think the more the merrier, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, any kind of social outlet is a good thing. Um, but I think it's just too too many bubbles um, intertwining, too many bubbles. Yeah, it'll. I don't. I agree with you. I don't, I don't think they're going back, and I don't think they're going to be able to play their sports or anything like that. I don't think so either. Uh, Georgia's high school is uh, allowing practices, but the practices are strength and conditioning only, outdoor only, mask required, temperature checks, and socially distanced. And, you know, we're still not letting them go, not while we're in stay-at-home orders. Well, I feel like a big rule breaker. I'm I'm a rule follower. And so, believe it or not, so is Bert. Bird is a real rule follower with rules like that, like police officer rules and government rules. He's a, he's a rule follower. So we talked about it and we were like, I just, I feel that's the wrong message to send our kids, you know, our, our city and our government and people in, in charge that we have voted in place for most, for the most part are saying, this is what we need to do to be safe. Then I think we should do that. Like, I think that's, part of your civic duty. That's my opinion. And so we wrote the coaches and we're like, I hope they can stay on the team, but until stay at home orders are done, please send them a workout. They can do at home because. I think, isn't there um, a, an exception for schools? It doesn't apply to the schools. I thought, Oh, is that right? Yeah. I think there is. Um, I don't think the schools like this, especially even the kids with the schools that have waivers are able to go to school. Because I think they've found that I listened to an interview the other day and who knows, you know, everything changes on the daily, but they had said that they've found that schools are one of the least likely places for it to be spread. Well, I agree with that. I think that is probably true. Um, No, I don't know. I'll have to look into it. I would feel better about it if I knew that that was the case. Um, Yeah. I mean, I mean, schools with the precautions where our kids are you know, going to condition yeah, in the pool with the chlorine. Right. Six feet apart. Which they should also drink because I hear <laughs> that that cures COVID. Perfect. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so anything else we should talk about being raised by our dad? Your dad has passed, right? Yeah, my dad, um, my dad passed away when I was one. He was 58. Why did he, why did he pass so young? Um, they both passed away from cancer. My mother had stomach cancer and my dad had lung cancer. Was he a smoker? He was, he was, you know, during that time, I think that he was born in 32 and he grew up with all of his brothers smoking and he smoked and he went to the military and smoked and came out and smoked. He did quit though. He quit when I was like in middle school, I want to say, but I think by then, um, even though he was probably still fairly young, that the damage was done. That must've been really hard to have lost both your parents at that young age. It was, it was, it was, um, you know, at the time I didn't think anything about it. It wasn't until I got older that I realized, wow, that's, you know, that's not easy. It's and, a big void. Yeah. And the only, the only, you know, it's funny is the only times that it would like really hit me is when 
when maybe I was in our twenties and one of my friends would be doing something completely reckless. And I'd be like, what are you doing? And they were like, oh, you know, whatever. Like they didn't worry because like if they were going to do something that might wreck their car, they weren't too worried about it because then their, their parents would just take care of it for them. Right. Whereas I was like, oh, holy hell, I don't have money for another car. Right. There's no way. That's interesting. That yeah. is, but that's true. That's wow. There was, there was no safety net for me. Right. There was n- nothing for me to fall back on. And I did fine. I had lots of jobs. I was very successful as I was when I was younger. And um, I did fine, but it was always in the back of my mind. I always had that work ethic that I felt like I had to keep working. And, and you know, I didn't have just one job. I had two or three jobs. Right. Does so it ever I- concern you that your kids had not having had any hardship to speak of? are going to have a hard time because it concerns me massively. It does. Um, Not about your kids, about my no. kids. <laughs> <laughs> you can be concerned for my kids too. I'm all right with that. <laughs> they would be all right with that. Um, it, it really does because what they think is a hard time that they have to put away the dishes and walk the dog, you know, that's, or bring in the trash cans. That's not, work ethic. And sometimes I feel like I'm enabling it because I worked so hard when I was younger that I, I don't want them to have two jobs and still try and fit fit in school and practice and that type of stuff. I want them to be able to play a sport or do art, which I felt like I couldn't do that because I had to be responsible and help. Right. I feel very much the same way. I feel like it's a gift and a curse, the life I have. It's both and because I think about I never traveled or went anywhere except our lake house until I was a full-fledged adult. Yes, our kids too. have been to Hawaii, to Bali, to Australia, to London, to, you know, and uh, Mexico. And I'm like, that's amazing. But does it make them like, oh, I've been there, done that. By the time that where's the wow for them? Does it take their wow? Because I remember going to Italy. Going to Italy was the first big trip I took, and I was dating Bert. I was 31. And I cried through that whole trip because it was so much history, so much beauty. And I understood what I was seeing and the 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 gravity of it. You know, I think if they took them to Italy now, they'd go, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Pasta, more pizza. Exactly. But I, I don't want them to lose that opportunity to be wowed in life or to be proud of themselves. I mean, we were just talking about this with George's car. We're having teenager, typical teenager, um, defiance issues boundaries. with our 16 year old boundaries. And no, no wonder we're trapped in a pandemic. I get it. Nothing out of the ordinary or crazy is going on. She's just being 16 and being a little bit of an asshole, which we all were when we were 16. But, you know, I'd said to Bert when he wanted to buy her a car, I said, we should buy her a used car. We should buy her a used car that's in good shape. And he was like, no, I want to buy her a brand new car. And I said, but then where does she go from there? Like she should buy, I didn't get a brand new car till I was in my late 30s. We should buy her a used car. She has a bunch of money in savings. We should ask for some of it for a down payment. He was like, no, nope. 
He bought her this brand new car that was really expensive. And now she's behaving like a 16 year old. And he's like, fucking shouldn't bought her that car because <laughs> not because she's being an asshole, but because she's not had to earn anything. You know, she just got the car she wanted, which right. I didn't really agree with and lost that argument. Um, Cause at the end of the day, you know, we divide duties in this house and cars are definitely Bert's domain, even though I know a lot about cars, but he, you know, that's one of those things I've surrendered to Bert. And I was like, you know, the value of giving her a used car, a beater even is so great. And you know how proud she would be of that dang beater. This is just a big, you know, diamond that was plopped in her lap that she has no no point of reference for, you know, no earning of, and I don't like that. Yeah. But you, I mean, you have good kids. They're not. Yes. They're, they're not those kids. And like Tatum. So do you. And thank you for saying that. Yeah. I mean, my daughter's Christmas list included tennis shoes because the shoes that I bought her or the suit shoes that she got last year, which she is still wearing have holes in them <laughs> and a new mattress for her bed. Um, and she's sleeping on our old mattress from when my husband and I got married, which was 19 years ago. So, <laughs> Sweetheart, I love you. You do not need to ask for a mattress and new tennis shoes. I will happily buy those for you. You do not need to put those on your Christmas list. Right. So on one hand, I do think that they're completely spoiled and don't have much reference, but then sometimes they, they don't really seem to take advantage of it. Like, and I know your girls too, they're not going to Brandy Melville or whatever hip shop there is and buying thousands of dollars in clothes or anything like that. So, I mean, I think that has to do with their upbringing while they have privileges and they know they have privileges because I didn't have a car to drive when I was 16. Right. They don't take advantage of them. That's very true. My kids don't really take advantage of us. Not like that. Um, They're not perfect and they are very spoiled. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, that is true. She, she's not taking advantage of us at all. We gave her that car and we were actually happy to give it to happy that we were able to afford it. Right. But the lesson is what I was concerned about. Not, not the actual car, but the lesson within that moment in her life, which is a monumental one, getting your first car. And I thought she should have been more involved in it, in the responsibility of it, you know, and she needed some skin in the game as my I, husband likes to say a lot. Yes, that's exactly right. So my son asked, my son, unlock my daughter, asked for things that were very expensive. <laughs> everything that he asked for was very expensive and, um, but, but very logical, like things that he would use. And we've narrowed it down to one item. And I said, well, that's, that's a big item. And he said, oh yeah, well, I'm going to pay for half of it. It's like, okay, all right, we can work that out. That's awesome. Yeah. I don't think I'll make him pay for half of it, but he will definitely put some more money toward it just so he could have some skin in the game. There you go. That's what we did with both our girls' laptops. They paid for half. Perfect. And then you take care of it, you know, right. take better care of it because you paid for half of that. I was kind of going for that with the car, but I, again, I lost the battle. 
Mm-hmm. And I was like, I guess we can look at it this way. Your next car you'll buy yourself. And this is your trade-in. Right. So we gave you the gift of a down payment on your next car that you're responsible for. Um, it's so funny. I list, we have been asking for a Christmas list from Georgia and have not received one. Isla. <laughs> Isla, I swear to God, that kid. I sometimes, I, 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 she just amazes me. She wanted costumes for the dogs <laughs> that matched costumes for her. Oh, perfect. Now, where are we wearing costumes in a pandemic? A. B, where are we putting these costumes when we're not wearing them? And C, what dog wants a frog head on its head? And have you dressed like a frog? No dog. What what kind of party is she throwing? (laughs) I'm not. I was like, I love you. I will not be buying these. And she went, well, can I buy them with your own money? With my own money? And I was like, well, it's your money. But I would like you to really consider what you're doing before you buy it. Three dog costumes have showed up. Oh my God. Did she really? She did. She bought the one that's a frog head that goes just over the dog's head and his two eyes are here. Oh my God. She bought, she bought one where the dog is a bull and you put a saddle and there's a stuffed rodeo rider on the back. So when the dog walks, it it looks like a rodeo rider. Are they for Izzy and Mac or are they for yes. Mom? No, they're for Izzy and Mac. Oh my gosh. Those then, oh, then she bought Mac an ugly Christmas sweater. Oh, okay. I'm all right with that. That's okay. <laughs> I like that. The rodeo rider, I was like, oh no. And she bought one. The She bought one of the dogs a UPS uniform. <laughs> That's hysterical. Do they like the UPS man? Because my dog goes crazy for the UPS man. They do not like the UPS man. I think that was why she bought the costume. Hysterical. Such a wiener. I'm like, by the way, I'm not buying you a UPS man uniform. I'm not. I'm so sorry. And the rodeo, we kind of have that uniform in your closet already. Flannel shirt, pair of jeans. You're done. Done. You think that she's going to school over there at the podcast studio. She's really having some crazy parties. She's napping a lot over there, even Mm -hmm. though I, yeah. Georgia texted me one day and was like, I just thought you should, I was here and they were there. It was the first day I let them go without me. Not well, I let them go, but I was kind of coming in and out just to make sure, really to make sure their internet was working. And, um, and I had stuff to do over there because it's a construction site. The first day I stayed home, Georgia texted me. Just thought you should know Isla's asleep. I was like, it's 10 a.m. Like that was the whole reason she went there, right? Because she kept falling asleep. Yes. So I get in my car and drive over there to drop something off and walk in and catch her sleeping. Like, Isla, are you asleep? And she wakes up and goes, yeah, I think I did fall asleep. And I'm like, girlfriend, you're in class. You can't sleep in class. You have to be awake. What do I have to do to get you to stay awake? And she was like, well, I should probably start going to bed before one. And I'm like, you're staying up till one? Like you go in your bedroom at 11 and I think that's late. What are you doing till one? She's like, oh, just listen to music and ordering dog costumes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's what she's doing. 
ordering UPS costumes for me and my dog. <laughs> so someone hears a ding dong, Isla Kreischer might just be your UPS man. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> I love that. I love well, that. This has been a good conversation. I've enjoyed talking to you about this. We've talked about it before, but I think it's interesting and fascinating. Um, I know I definitely think in a way that's very masculine. And I actually like that about myself. Um, But I'm not sure my husband always does. Um, He gets really upset with me sometimes because I don't get upset about things or emotional like he does. He's such an emotional person that he needs me to be at his level to feel validated. And I just can't do that. I can't make it up. Like I can't like turn some crank. It's too exhausting for me. I can't mentally get that wrapped up. Although you said, circling back to this, you said that you let things go and that you don't worry about things. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a worrier. Are you like, yeah, like we'll do something. I'm an overanalyzer. Like I'll be like, did I say something to make that person mad and then worry about what happened and how it came out all night when really it was nothing, but I'm worried about it. That's interesting. I do not do that. You don't do that. No, you know what I do is if I've made someone up unhappy, I want to know that. And the people I'm close to, I would hope would know that about me, that I, I'm open to hearing where I've screwed up. And I'm always happy to apologize when I have. Mm-hmm. Or, and I would like to think if anybody ever, if that ever happened, I said something and I thought, oh, that was a big problem. They would tell me. So I guess I just trust that the people I'm around will let me know when I'm an asshole because I'm sure I have been. But not intentionally ever. Um, maybe I trust too much in other people because I believe that someone like the scenario you just described, then that person would just call me and tell me, you hurt my feelings. And I'd go, okay, well, now let's deal with it. It's that solution oriented thinking, I guess, where I go, well, I'll figure that out when it comes on my plate, you know? And if I've thought I've done something wrong, I'll totally call the person and go, I feel like I did this wrong. Did I? And then they'll tell me yes or no. And then I'll go, okay, because I'm all about let's get to the solution. Let's get to the, I don't want to sit in that. I don't like sitting in that crap. Maybe I need to do that. Like maybe I just need to to call and be proactive about it. Like in that situation. Right. Solve it because it does roll. And then, you know, I worry about it. Right. Uh, when I was really young, um, I started doing this thing where I would try to go to sleep with my my plate clear, not my to-do list clear, but my plate clear of wondering about any of that. If, if anybody, if I had um, dropped the ball on someone and not apologized, or if I had... Um, done something wrong. I knew I needed to take care of the next day. I would just take care of it that day because I slept better. I noticed I used to worry too when I was younger because I would put off those confrontations because they are confrontational. Just call somebody and go, Hey, I said this thing tonight. And I think it was kind of, it came off wrong. That's, that's very not confrontational in an aggressive way, but it is confrontational in, Hey, I want to talk about this. And people don't usually do that. 
I didn't do that in my 20s. I would do exactly what you're talking about. And I would ruminate over it and fret over it. And then I was losing sleep over stuff like that. And my solution-oriented brain went, well, why don't you just call them and ask? And then if they say, yes, I was offended by that, you can apologize. And if they say, no, I didn't think twice about it, you can let it go. And both results get you a good night's sleep or a better night's sleep than worrying about it. I did that a long time ago and I've kind of stuck to that. I don't, I try not to go to bed angry. Bert and I never go to bed without finishing an argument on some level, at least agreeing to be at a truce or something. And um, I think that's a really positive, for me anyway, that's the really positive way to live because I don't have that hanging on me. Right, right. You're not worrying about it. That's a good idea to clear the plate first. I'm going to try that. Clear the plate before I go to bed. And even if my to-do list is running in my head, I'll pick up a notebook and just write it down. Right. I do do that. And you know what's so funny is just sitting in here, I've noticed that T has been doing that. There's a little note sheet next to her bed where she's writing down. I think they're Christmas gifts, but (laughs) but she's making notes, which is good. But that that's a good idea. I'm very non-confrontational. I don't, I don't like conflict. I don't like confrontation. I don't want to be involved in the, in the shoe fly at all. That's going to make them clear the plate before I go to bed. Yeah. I don't like being involved in it either, but I don't like, I also don't like wearing it. <laughs> I don't like wearing that. I'd rather, yeah. I'd rather let's take it off. And that I adjusted my perspective on what cost me more. It costs me more to wear it than it does to just ask the question because nine times out of 10, it's in my head. Right, right, right. Normally it is. Normally it's in your head and you're just, you know, making a big deal about it. Yeah. Nine times out of 10, I'll call Sandy and go, did this come off wrong? And she'll go, I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. (laughs) Never mind. (laughs) Then now I can go to sleep. (laughs) Perfect. Exactly. That's it. That's good. See, I've learned something. I'm going to clear the plate. Well, good. We're all going to clear the plate before you go to bed. I like it. Well, Kathy, I think you're awesome, whether you're raised by your dad or not. You're one of my favorite people. Uh, and I would spend time together, but we're not spending time with anybody, are we? <laughs> Except for over these darn computers. I know. And I love your daughter. She's such a lovely person. I don't know Drake as well, but he's a great kid too. But Tatum, she's just a special one. And I love her a lot. So we'll have to get her. I know she wants to be on another episode. I'll have to think of something good to talk about. Maybe she can think of something she wants to talk about. She loves you too. When she, I told her, I said, I'm going to podcast with Leanne. She was like, oh, I want to podcast again. I want to do that. I loved doing that. I loved talking to her. I love that stuff. She's great. And she's a really good guest and she has a lot to say and she says it articulately and intelligently. And, um, and every time she's on, I get tons of comments about what she said and I love her honesty and openness. I know she's a vault with you, but I think she's a little more open as are every teenager with someone else other than their parents. That could not be more than true. And I have to tell you, I love the times that she's come on your show because I can listen to it and be like, Oh, Oh, she gets it. She's like, listen to her. She's articulate and open. And that's how she feels. Cause she is a vault with me. Yes. Well, I have a vault too. I have Fort Knox over there, Georgia Kreischer. 
can't mm. get anything out of her except goofy. She's just goofy all day. And I'm like, I know there's more going on than the goofy. Oh, she's the best. I love that girl. She's pretty good. We'll keep her. Yeah, um, we'll keep her. Maybe. They're all right. You would you would like Drake too. He's a super, super sweet kid. He is sweet. He's he seems very sweet. He's he's just like Isla, you know. Yeah, I know that we've talked about them a lot. They march to their own drum. Which that is they awesome. do. They <laughs> do. And they're very, very sweet. Yes. Yes, they are. All right, my dear. Have a great day. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me. Ah, uh, you can come anytime. <laughs> okay, I'll see you next time. Bye. I think that we should get together.